Welcome to Gospel Truth with Andrew Womack, a teaching ministry that focuses on God's unconditional love and grace. Some of the things that he was explaining was just so simple, but it was truth that just hit right home. He's changed my life. He's changed my walk. I have a hunger for God now that I've never had before. And this is just the beginning. And now, here's Andrew. Welcome to our Wednesday's broadcast of the Gospel Truth. Today I'm in the middle of my fourth week of teaching on living in God's best. This is a book that I have out, and then I also have CDs and DVDs on it. And I think that this coming Friday will probably be my last day to teach on this. This is something that could just go on and on and on forever because we have millions of blessings, things that God has spoken over us, His favor that has been released through His words. And I've been talking about this for four weeks. And yesterday I was in Psalms chapter 91 talking about how the, all the blessings of God have to be voice activated. Psalms 91 too, it says, I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. You have to say these things. God has already blessed us. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3, with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. But it doesn't just happen until you draw it out by your words, out of your heart. You speak faith-filled words, and these words release the blessing to God. I talked about this quite a bit yesterday, and I ended here in verse 5. Let me just read this again. In Psalms chapter 91, verse 5, Thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night, nor for the arrow that flieth by day, nor for the pestilence that walketh in darkness, nor for the destruction that wasteth at noonday. And I talked uh, yesterday about how that Christians just live in fear, fear of failure, fear of being laid off, fear of heights, fear of animals, fear of spiders, fear of this. You You know, there's a godly wisdom. You don't go out and play with a snake and run the potential of getting bit. I'm not saying that you just ignore stuff, but you shouldn't be afraid of it. You're the one that has dominion. You know, there is a story that uh, I've told often, but I used to be afraid of dogs because I was a jogger and I've had dogs chase me and bite me. I got treed one time in Sylacauga, Alabama. I was out running at 5.30 in the morning and I had about four or five dogs tree me. I got up a tree for my own protection and I had to stay there until seven or something when finally people got up and called their dogs off. And so I wasn't terrified of dogs, but I, I was afraid of dogs. And you know what broke it? I was in Trinidad, Colorado. I was staying in a man's home with him, and uh, he had a pit bulldog that was an attack dog. And anyway, I'm not just per- petrified of dogs. And so as long as the owner was around, his dog was in the house and everything was fine. I didn't have a problem with it. But then when it came time to go to bed, He told me my bedroom was in there with the pit bulldog. The pit bulldog was staying in the same room that I was going to sleep in. And so I asked him, I said, "Uh, what happens if I have to get up during the night and go to the bathroom or something? And he says, well, just help yourself. And I said, but what about the dog? And he said, that dog won't hurt you. And I, I looked at all of these trophies and certificates that this dog had, being an attack dog. And I said, this is an attack dog. And a stranger getting up during the middle of the night and walking around, and I I didn't understand. And he said something to me that really touched me. He said, 
This is an attack dog. It's not a mean dog. And as an example, he, he gave me an example of a burglar that broke into his house. And this pit bulldog attacked him because he knew that, you know, this wasn't the right thing. And he grabbed this guy, knocked him to the ground, and he put his mouth around the guy's arm. And he held him there for, I don't know, an hour or two until somebody came home. And he never broke the skin on that guy. He didn't hurt him. He says he's been trained to protect and attack. He says he wouldn't just bite somebody. He says any dog that would just bite another, you know, bite a person is a mean dog. And this guy said, I'd kill a mean dog. When he said that, it's just like something snapped on the inside of me. I knew these verses that I shouldn't be afraid of anything, that God gave me dominion. It said the fear and the dread of me would be upon all of the beasts of the field. I had this knowledge, but I wasn't appropriating it. And it just dawned on me that I had been letting dogs intimidate me when I'm the one who was blessed. I'm the one who's their master. Now, again, there's wisdom to use. I wouldn't go in where a dog had just had puppies and try and take a puppy away from her. That's a you know, a dog protecting her own puppies and stuff. I wouldn't do stuff like that. That's not smart. But as a jogger, if I'm jogging on a street and if a dog comes out against me, it had best be able to defend itself. I got a different attitude now. I know that I'm the one that's blessed and that that dog needs to submit to me. And since the Lord has shown me that, I have had dogs come out at me as, as I'm jogging, and I have actually turned on them and chased the dog down the street. I've intimidated them. You don't have to live in fear of animals. Now, again, there's wisdom to use, but I'm saying you shouldn't be afraid of things. And I talked about some of those things yesterday. Look at this in verse 7, Psalms 91, 7. A thousand shall fall at thy side and 10,000 at thy right hand, but it shall not come nigh thee. Only with thine eyes shalt thou behold and see the reward of the wicked. He goes on to say in verse 9, Because thou hast made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the Most High, thy habitation, there shall no evil befall thee, neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling. You know, there was a man, John G. Lake, who I think he was born in the 1800s, lived into the mid-1900s, he was a powerful man of God, and he got a revelation of healing. And I think he was in Spokane, Washington, and he had a healing ministry where they had these healing rooms. He had what he called healing practitioners, and he would teach people how to administer healing, and he would give them a little bottle of oil to go out and anoint people with oil, and he would send them out and say, don't come back until this person's well. And the book that I was reading about this said that the longest it ever took anybody was three weeks. They went out and literally lived with the person for three weeks and just ministered the word to them until they got healed. But I mean, they saw people heal. They had, I think, two hospitals in that town at that time. And one of them closed because of lack of business because his ministry was so powerful. And, and again, that town that he was in, I think it was Spokane, Washington, it was voted the healthiest place in the United States for decades while he was alive and his ministry was going. And so he, he was very, very strong in the area of healing. And they had some kind of a plague going and they had 
uh, doctors there that were dealing with the sick and they had them in like a high school gymnasium or something where there was just multitudes of sick people. The doctors were treating them. And because he had been so successful in healing, the city gave him a license to practice. Uh, you know, they called him a doctor, a medical license. Even though he didn't administer medicine, he was more effective than most of the doctors. So he was helping these doctors as a doctor. And they were dealing with somebody who just had a plague and he had just died and he convulsed and foamed at the mouth and then he died. And so this medical doctor looked at John Lake and said, man, aren't you glad that we have a vaccination against this? And John Lake said, who's got a vaccination? And this medical doctor just panicked like, you can't be working with these sick people without being inoculated against this. You're going to die. And John Lake said, no plague can come nigh my dwelling. No germ can touch me and live. And you know what he was doing? He was basing that on this scripture right here, that no plague shall come nigh thy dwelling, verse 10. And of course, this medical doctor didn't believe him. He didn't put any stock in God and in the power of God. And so he just, you know, thought you're crazy. You're going to die. And John Lake said, I can prove to you that it's true. And so he took one of these slides that you put under a microscope and he had that doctor wipe this foam off of this man's mouth who had just died of the plague. And then they put it under a microscope and under the microscope, you could still see all of those germs that were in his saliva that were moving around. And John Lake just touched it with his finger. He just touched his finger to that saliva and instantly everything was dead. No germ could touch his body and live. And some people think, man, I wish God would do that for me. Right here, this is one of the blessings. It says, no plague shall come nigh thy dwelling. This is a blessing that's been spoken over us. But you know what? Most people don't appropriate it. Again, it's like I was talking about when I first started this teaching and I was talking about living in God's best. Most of us have settled for being sick once or twice a year. We settle for having colds. We settle for having heart burn. We settle for headaches. We settle for allergies and stuff. And we've just been taught that this is natural. When the scripture here is saying that no weapon that is formed against us will prosper, that all of these things, no plague will come nigh our dwelling. No evil will befall us. A thousand will fall at our side and 10,000 at our right hand, but it shall not come nigh us. This has been spoken over every one of us. Psalms 91 is not just for John Lake or just for me or just for any one person. This is a blessing that is given to every person who dwells under the shadow of the Almighty and who will voice activate it by saying, I will say of the Lord that these things are true. This will work for any person watching this. You can get to a place that no plague can come nigh you. You know, I've prayed for people with AIDS. I've had people with AIDS spit on me and cough on me. And you know what? I believe that no plague comes nigh my dwelling. I remember I was over in Ireland and everybody on our trip got sick but me. I said, I'm ministering. I'm not going to get sick. I don't believe in this. My wife was sick. Again, I'm not mad at her and God doesn't not mad at anybody who does get sick, but I'm just saying you have to believe it. And I was believing it stronger than Jamie was at that time. And I just stood and I mean, I was kissing her 
I slept with her at night, you know, in the same bed. We were around each other in the same car all of the time, and I didn't get sick, and she did because I believe that no plague will come nigh my dwelling. There's a lot of people that they, they think, well, yes, God's got a plan for me, but if somebody around me has a cold, I'm going to catch a cold. If that's what you believe, it'll work. But you can believe the blessing. I know some of you are thinking, I don't believe that. It won't work for you, but it works for me. You know what? It's been 48 years, and I've only had a couple of things come against me in 48 years. I mean, twice, and that was through my own stupidity. I don't get sick. I don't believe in being sick. I don't take aspirin. I don't take medication for anything. And I walk in supernatural divine health. Man, I'm telling you that God has blessed us. It says in verse 10 again, There shall no evil befall thee, neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways. They shall bear thee up in their hands, lest thou dash thy foot against a stone. Did you know Satan quoted these verses to Jesus, but he misquoted them? It's important that you get this correctly. If you look over in Matthew chapter 4 and in Luke chapter 4 where Jesus was taken up, and Satan came against him and tempted him. He quoted these verses. He shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways. The devil didn't say to keep thee in all thy ways. He just said he will give his angels charge over thee. See, this doesn't mean that the angels just automatically work. You have to be in the way that God has called you to be. As long as you are cooperating and walking with God, there is supernatural protection. But if you remove to keep thee in all thy ways... From this, this is just saying that the angels will work for you regardless. Even if you're out here saying, for instance, you know, committing adultery and sleeping with different people, I guarantee you, you aren't going to be protected from AIDS and from sexually tra transmitted diseases if you're out there violating what God told you to do. It's not because God's punishing you, but you just walked out from under his protection. You know, on my program yesterday, I used the very first couple of verses of Psalms 91 where it says, Surely he shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. He shall cover thee with his feathers and under his wings shalt thou trust. This is talking about like a chicken puts her wings out and the chicks come underneath it and it protects them from the rain and from the hail. God has protection for us, but if you violate and you go away from what God tells you, you can expose yourself to sexually transmitted diseases, to plagues and things like that. You have to cooperate. You have to dwell in under the shadow of the Almighty. You have to be saying of the Lord. And so... This was misquoted by the devil. He left out a phrase. And then in verse 12, he added a phrase to this. It says, they shall bear thee up in their hands, lest thou dash thy foot against a stone. When Satan quoted this, he said, lest at any time thou shalt dash thy foot against a stone. This didn't say that it'll work even when you're out here doing stupid stuff. You know, I know a kid that one time actually was playing Russian roulette and he shot himself in the head and blew his brains out and died. And people thought, why did God do this? God didn't do that. That kid did that. That was stupid. That didn't mean that God hated him. It didn't mean that God punished him. No, it just, it was a natural thing. And you do something like that, you're going to reap some results. The angel's protection over us doesn't work anytime, anywhere, under any circumstances. You have to be walking in the ways of God. You have to be following him and 
You, it doesn't just happen if you go out and violate and get off track. There, you can reap consequences from doing the wrong thing. But all of that negative stuff that I've just said countered, let me say the positive side of it is that there are angels that are at our disposal. Some people have taught that we have to command our angels and tell them what to do. I don't believe any of us are smart enough to tell our angels what to do. First of all, a lot of the ministry of angels is prohibitive. Or uh, let me see, that's not the right way of saying it. It's uh, it anyway. It stops problems instead of after the problem solving it. It uh, prohibits or it uh, prevents. That's what I'm trying to think of. It prevents problems. You aren't smart enough to know what Satan has got planned for you down the road. And so if if you had to command your angels and they responded directly to you well, then you wouldn't be able to deal with anything until it's already happened. But the scripture says that our angels behold the face of the Father continually, and they take their orders from God. And so if you are saying of the Lord that he is your refuge, no plague will come nigh my dwelling. His angels have charge over me. God will direct them and they will prevent problems rather than just solve problems once they come. So angels have a very important part in our lives. You know, I was headed to Charlotte, North Carolina. This has been a number of years ago, and I was reading about how Jacob wrestled with the angel and how that angels meant him. And I was just thinking that, and I thought of the scripture in Hebrews chapter 13, I think it is, where it says that many have entertained angels unawares. And I was thinking, God, there's bound to be more activity of angels around me and in my ministry than what I'm realizing. And so I just prayed about it. And I said, during these meetings at Freedom Christian Center in Charlotte, North Carolina, I've been going there every year for 30 years. And I said, when I go there, I'm just going to believe that you're going to show me the ministry of angels. And so it was on my mind. I was focused on it and thinking about it. And anyway, I could give you a lot of examples. But I remember one night that there was a young man that came up to me. His dad brought him, and he didn't even want to be there. This guy was like 17 years old or something. And he had an attitude, and he didn't want to be at this meeting. But his dad forced him. His dad had him come up and talk to me. And I tried to talk to him, and he didn't want anything to do with God. He disliked me. He disliked God. He did not want to be there. And so I talked to him before the service. I ministered the word of God. His dad made him stay. They were sitting on the very back row. And at the end of the service, I was calling out people that were being healed of things. And I, I forgot exactly what it was, was that I called out. But I said, somebody right now, you just felt somebody put their hand on your shoulder. And I said, that's an angel of God. And he's healing you of. And I called out these things that uh, they were being healed of. And after the service, that young guy came up and he said, that was me. And I didn't believe you and I didn't believe anything you were saying. But at that moment, somebody put their hand on him and every physical problem that he had was healed. And anyway, the reason I bring that up is to say that I know that this happens. We don't always recognize it as being a ministry of angels, but you've got angels assigned to you. That he will give his angels charge over you to keep you in all of your ways. They will bear thee up in their hands, lest thou dash thy foot against a stone. I tell you, I have had my life spared so many times. Matter of fact, I've got a guy on my board of directors, Ron Bird from Shreveport, Louisiana. He's a surgeon there. 
And every time he sees me, he talks about my angels. They must have hazardous duty pay. They must get overtime, combat duty. Because I mean, there are so many times that I could have died and I have been miraculously spared. I mean, there is no uh, explanation for it in the natural. I remember one time coming over a hill, driving a car, and I was going 65, 70 miles an hour out on a rural road and I came over a hill and there was a feedlot there and there must have been a hundred cows on the road. And there was no way I could stop. And I, it just shocked me. And I remember just pointing and going, uh, and that's all I did was just kind of make a noise. Jamie was over here reading. And when she looked up and saw all of these cows and knew that we were going to hit them, she just goes, Jesus. And the moment she said, Jesus, we were on the other side of those cows still driving. And we looked in my rear view mirror and the cows were still there. They hadn't parted. They, I don't know how we got, I don't know what happened. You know what? But it was, it was miraculous. And God supernaturally brought us through that. And I believe that angels were involved in that somehow. I don't know how it happened. And I've had things like that happen multiple times. Again, I refer to Hebrews chapter 13. Many have entertained angels unawares. I had a guy in one of my services one time that he, this guy was six foot seven and he was huge. I mean, not fat, but just big. And he wore a leather vest with no shirt on and he had tattoos. And uh, I talked to him before the service and it was just strange. He, he was strange. He stood out. This was in Phoenix, Arizona. And that night, I don't know exactly why, but we must have had five or six people that were demon-possessed, that stood up, started screaming, yelling, doing things. And I'd look, and that big old guy would be over there, and all of a sudden, they'd just settle down. And then something on the other side would happen, and he'd be over there. And I think, how did he get from there over to the other side of the auditorium? And this guy was all over the place. And it may not have been, but I think it was an angel because he physically could not have been in two places at one time. He solved every problem that we had. It was awesome. That sounds like the way that God, you know, he just would have him look like a biker with tattoos on. But anyway, I believe that we've got angels at our disposal, but we have to say of the Lord that they are protecting us. You know, today, I encourage you to just be aware that God has blessed you, that you've got angels that are there to keep you from dashing your foot against a stone. And you believe in the protection of the Lord. And I'm saying by the Spirit of the Lord that if some of you will receive what I'm saying, and if you will go to speaking these verses over you, that He has given His angels charge over me, they're going to bear me up in their hands lest I, lest I dash my foot against a stone. If you will speak that and embrace it today, you're going to see God supernaturally protect you from tragedy and from things. And when it happens, write in and let me know about it because I believe it's going to happen. It's available to us, but we have to dwell under the shadow of the Almighty and we have to say these things. It's voice activated. Let me mention again that I have this book entitled Living in God's Best. So I also have CDs and DVDs. If you'll listen, our announcer will give you all that information. And then please call or write and request these materials. Today, you can get Andrew's teaching, Living in God's Best, in a hardback book for a gift of any amount when you contact us. 
I'd like to encourage you to get these materials that I'm offering. I've got this hardcover book on living in God's best. We've got a study guide, which is 475 pages. And this is specifically designed so that you can disciple other people in this. We've also got this book in Spanish. We've got a series that was recorded live, and then we have a CD set and a DVD set. But I tell you, this teaching on living in God's best is absolutely life-changing if you will listen to it and then heed it and act on it. So please check it out today. Andrew's entire series, Living in God's Best, is available as a book in either English or Spanish, as a DVD album made from our daily television broadcast, or as a CD or DVD album recorded live from a Gospel Truth seminar. You can also get this teaching as a companion study guide. The study guide will deepen your personal understanding and is perfect for home groups or Sunday schools. Each of these valuable resources are available for a gift of any amount when you contact us. This entire series is also available for audio download absolutely free from our website. Go to awmi.net to see all the ways you can get this teaching. The individual topic highlighted on today's broadcast is available as an audio CD for a gift of any amount when you write or call. We encourage everyone to give because there's a blessing in giving. But if you're simply unable to afford it, Andrew and his partners will provide today's teaching free of charge. You can become a Grace Partner or order resources through our website at awmi.net. While there, you can discover more product details and download additional free resources. Or you can call our helpline at 719-635-1111. Our helpline is open Monday through Friday, 24 hours a day, and Saturday and Sunday from 7.30 a.m. to 6 p.m. Mountain Time. To write us, use the address on your screen. We appreciate your generosity and hope to hear from you today. You say, in the name of Jesus, I'm not going by what I see. I go by what the Word of God says. There's more than just this physical realm. There's also a spiritual realm. I don't care what this looks like. I know what God's Word says. I was told that I would always have severe asthma and food allergies. I was born missing the left side of my heart with a very small chance of living. The doctors indicated that I had a permanent brain injury and that I would never function in mainstream society again. I'm Tim McDermott. And my brother and I were told that we would never recover from autism. From a young age, I had several diagnoses, including Asperger's syndrome, disexecutive syndrome, and communication disorders. My brother James was diagnosed with autism before he turned three. For years, it seemed like we would never be normal. But then my parents stumbled across the healing journey of Hannah Terides. A few weeks later, we went to Andrew's free Grace and Faith conference, where we were healed of autism. Today, 10 years later, I'm still walking in my complete healing, and I am not alone. I haven't needed my inhaler in years, and now I eat whatever I want. My heart grew back its missing piece, and the doctors cannot explain it. Today, I'm completely healed, and I get to teach God's truth about healing. Because people like you partnered with Andrew O'Mac Ministries, we have all been given our lives back. We cannot thank you enough for your generosity. But there are still millions of lives out there looking for the same truth that set us free. Will you help us bring this message to them? 
The word needs to get out to change people's lives. Please consider a partnership. Please partner with this ministry, it's amazing. Please consider being a partner with this ministry. You know, you may not know these people, but I know every one of these people that you just saw them give a testimony. And I tell you, Jesus changed their life because of our partners. If you've not yet joined with us and become a partner, I ask you to pray about it and join with us today. I want to let you know that I'm going to be speaking at the Encounter event in Oklahoma City. I'll be there with Mario Marilla, also Rich Van Winkle, and then my niece, Rebecca Cunningham, and her husband, Stephen, are putting this on and it's gonna be a great time. It'll be on the 5th and the 6th of March in Oklahoma City at Victory Church. I believe you'd be really blessed, so plan to be with us March the 5th and 6th, Victory Church in Oklahoma City.